So today we're joined by The Distance Project, aka Callum Elson, who is, I would say, probably one of the most hotly talked about or like followed, <laughs> definitely British runners on social media at the minute, because I think your story as a whole is very unique and interesting. So even though I know you've said it on Instagram, said it on podcasts before, can we just have a brief overview of sort of who you are, what you've done, and uh, what sort of led to this point of where you're at at the minute with your running career, and I guess business career yeah. as well? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I think the the reason why I kind of come at it from a different angle and you get kind of way faster or like more talented people that don't get as much exposure, I guess, is through necessity rather than the, rather than like a actual desire, if that makes sense. Like when you're in a category as, such as myself where, where you're a good athlete, but you're not at that running the times where you're going to get stuff thrown at you and people want you on board, you have to have a bit of a different angle. So, yeah, my background um, always ran, like, as a kid, but was mainly playing football. So I'd literally, like, play a football match in the morning and then go to, like, the cross-country race in the afternoon or vice versa and stuff like that. Um, so I did a few of, like, the English schools cross-country and stuff like that, um, which is funny looking back because a lot of the guys that I race and I'm at a similar level to now, like, were, like, 100 places ahead of me back then, which is quite funny. Um, and then went to uni in Durham uh, in the UK uh, and just played football again for three years. Did a couple of like random races for university. I think I did one books cross country um, where I finished, yeah, I don't know, hundredth, something like that. Um, so again, nothing crazy. Uh, and then when I was finishing university, uh, I'd taken running a bit more serious in the summers, uh, building up to it. So I'd run maybe like 15, 12 for 5K, which is pretty good if you're not like specifically training. Um, and a coach from a Division Two school in America just randomly added me on Facebook. And to be honest, Alfie, if you go on your Facebook, I bet he's also added you. Because if you look at, I looked at my mutual friends and the people that he'd also added, and he must have just gone through Power of Ten of like all the under 23s or under 20s at the time, whatever we were, and added maybe like the top 50. So all the people who would never like go out to a D2 school, he'd clearly like chanced his arm at. Um, but I was one person that did nibble, and I was like, what a year to go to America, it's free. I get to do running, I may as well put off getting a job just to like try and see if I'm any good at running. Uh, so that was 2021 that I went out and came back in June this year. And that year kind of took off with running, ran some decent times, um, won a couple of things. And then, you know, that was what June when I got back. So since then, I've just been trying to basically do the same, but on the UK circuit, which is kind of why I think I've got a bit of a name or been on podcasts or done things because it's always interesting when you get a new person that, comes straight in at a pretty decent level, maybe like a, I think it was 25th and 1500 last year. So you come in at a pretty high level, um, but no one really knows who you are, but you're also not 16, 17, you're 23. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of background. Do you, do you think it's um, an opportunity anyone should take, providing that the circumstances align, that they do at least try going to America if they have the opportunity to, uh, for the answer to I think I think it totally depends. So like there's a couple of, so an example is that there's some good young lads in, in Cambridge where I'm based now, um, Tom Bridger, Alex Malloy, to name a couple of them, that have just gone to university in the UK. They're at Birmingham and Loughborough. And you'd look at, and, and they're also exploring like commercial opportunities. I think they're both with Adidas right now. So you look at some boys like that, you're like, look, they could walk into most D1 schools and not be the best, but they'd be like very good. They might compete at regionals, maybe even go to nationals when they've been there for a couple of years in America would what and train with a good group and have good facilities etc what would they gain more there than they would here where they're going to university getting a good degree training in Birmingham Loughborough with really good groups which are arguably as good as what you train with in America and 
not on a student visa, so they have the opportunity to work with brands like Adidas, whether they're getting, I don't know if they're getting paid or just kit or whatever it is, but, you know, they get to do stuff like that as well. So I think it's not for everyone, but if you're in a position where you don't have anything tying you into the UK and you have an opportunity to go out there and it's funded, then it's definitely something that you could look at doing. Um, but everyone's circumstances are different. Yeah, and I, like I said, everyone's circumstances, and I think everyone responds to it differently. And it ultimately also depends on the training group and the university, because I know people at some universities in America where the set, the setup, I'm not going to name names, but a D1 setup, and mm-hmm. the coaches are clueless, and the setup is awful. Even though they've got mm-hmm. the facilities, the whole environment and the culture of the team is awful. Then you can go to some other universities, and it's absolutely phenomenal. So I think yeah. it's like how you respond to that as well. Yeah, totally. And there's so many factors. There's factors that people don't even consider. Like some people thrive in an environment where they live at home with their parents. They don't have to worry about like finances or they don't have, they have the home comforts basically. And that's what gets the most out of the training. Whereas I know other people that they've got the most out of it by getting out of like a a pressured home situation or like, you know, having their dad there always asking how the training is going. They've actually excelled by going away and just doing their own thing. So there's all kinds of factors um, that you can, you can take into account. I think, you know, age is a big thing and like your maturity at the time, because if you're going to go and travel away and be away and have to make friends with people, get along with new coaches, kind of, if you're on a scholarship, you kind of got to do what they say in a way, if you see what I mean, race the races, they say you're going to race, train the way they're going to train or kind of leave, then that takes a certain level of emotional maturity, I think. So yeah, it's, it's not for everyone. Yeah. And you did mention as well, like you came to the UK and you are sort of taking an unconventional approach, I guess, in the more traditional sense, because You've come in, and like you said, you're not running fast enough yet to get, you know, things mm-hmm. thrown at you. So, first of all, I want to talk about take this into two parts. Sort of your strategy in terms of growing your brand, because it's not just about mm-hmm. times; it's about everything. Social media is obviously a big thing now, but also the first of all, I want to touch on like, have you faced any backlash since doing this? Because I know, and I know times are changing slightly with social media, but so mm-hmm. much, so many people are like, oh they need to show up online and just run fast or that like they don't yeah. deserve to have a contract stuff like that so have you had any experiences of that obviously don't name any names if you don't want to but is anything yeah 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 it's, it's interesting so two part so the first part um is kind of my goal has always been just to run like as fast as possible because that's what one gets your credibility and two that's what i want to do like you know it's fun doing some other opportunities that i've had but ultimately would i trade all of that to have fastest times 100 percent sort of thing like running is what i enjoy i work and kind of do other things to pay the bills as we can talk about so it's not like i need running as such it is my hobby like i want to just do it um and i spoke to adam i've been speaking to adam fogg obviously for years now before i actually knew him in person and we always talked about how like the content can get you so far and it unlocks you things but ultimately you can only grow at the rate that you're improving as an athlete. And I think if anyone's listening that follows like the YouTuber runners and people like that, you'll see the most popular ones are actually the ones that have made some considerable improvement or they run certain times or the videos that go viral are like, you know, I ran X time and then dot, 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 or whatever. It's kind of like when you see someone actually improving and you're involved in the story, I think that's when, you know, people want to buy into it. So for me, the strategy was literally just like, how can I try and cover all my costs that are associated to running by building a platform that can unlock some commercial things? So like, oh, this company will give me, you know, this running watch in exchange for me doing a post. That's great for me because if I can avoid paying 300 quid for a watch, why wouldn't I do that? 
And similar to if I can work with this brand and that's going to cover my gym membership or my physio, then why wouldn't I do that? Because that can help me become a better runner. But ultimately, it's me running every day, going and doing sessions with normal guys that are teachers, doctors, et cetera, et cetera. That is making me faster, if you see what I mean. So they're loosely connected, but it's not it's not a given that you're going to improve. Um, and then the the backlash kind of thing. I don't think I've had any backlash, like, but I like I'm aware that probably the most critical people would be people that are I'm kind of a peer with, if that makes sense. Like a young lad, 23 years old. I know I would sit there with my mates and be like or oh, can't believe he's posted that thing or like, oh, this guy always posts this whatever. Cause I am that person. If you see what I mean, like I would do that with my mates and have a laughing joke would be like, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately if you're getting the results, so it's two parts of that one, if you're getting the results and you're actually beating people and running fast, who cares what you're really posting unless you're a complete knob and you're posting stuff that's like overly arrogant or cocky, or you're posting stuff that's like unrelated to running. You know, I'm not doing TikTok dances and stuff like that. It's like, you know, actually running related content. And then the other side of the coin is I'm going, the trials are doing well. I'm running good times. I'm winning stuff with, you know, Cambridge and the club. So it's kind of like the Instagram side of things is not inhibiting how I'm performing. So I think there's that side of it, which means people can have a laugh and joke and look, I'll laugh and joke with anyone. Half, some of the stuff that I post is kind of like, it's obvious that I've done that for a brand. That's just part and parcel of it. That's life. You know, I posted a reel today because on behalf of Coros, because that's a relationship that I had with them. Yeah. You know, I had to do it. Cool. I'll do it kind of thing. Um, Am I going to sit there and go, oh, no, they're going to be thinking that I've just posted this, you know, thing to get a free watch. I have done that, you know, that's life. But I'm going to use the watch to become a better athlete and run really well. And then unless you're kind of going to come and beat me at a race, it doesn't really matter what you say. Do you know what I mean? So that's kind of how I take it. Yeah, I, I always find it funny. And again, it's probably more people who aren't in touch with social media who have said, like, I've mm-hmm. been told things in the past, like, if you focus on doing social media stuff, then it's going to compromise your running. And I have noticed zero compromises with performance. And also there's so many more doors unlocked where you can get kit deals, shoe deals, sponsorship deals, everything like that. And ultimately every single one of them helps improve running performance indirectly or directly. Yeah. And if you, if you look at like this year, arguably the two most talked about athletes, male and female. And I think they're the two that were actually up for like all the athletics weekly awards are one Ailish McColgan and she won commies, didn't she? And, if you go through her Instagram, I don't know, I'm sure she's lovely, but literally every third post is like advertising something like mouthwash or cream or this electric blanket or whatever it's going to be. She advertises loads, but clearly because she's got a good platform, gets paid pretty well for it, you'd imagine. And that's how she's funding to go to altitude, to go to warm weather camps, whatever. And she's winning the medals as a result. So if it doesn't inhibit her, it's not going to inhibit anyone. And then the other side is like, Jake Whiteman, obviously, has proven what he can do. He released his first YouTube video, albeit I'm sure he's not producing it and editing it and stuff himself. But he allowed someone to come in, train his, uh, film him his day, what he gets up to. If he thought, and I'm sure his dad, if they thought, oh, that's really going to get in his way, it's going to be a distraction, they wouldn't be doing that sort of thing. So if the top athletes can do it, I think we can get away with it. Do you know what I mean? I think that's really cool what Jake Whiteman did because it's probably the first time we've seen a world champion do that. Like someone mm-hmm. who is like well let's say objectively the best in the in that event on the day at the world championships mm-hmm. having a camera follow him around that's only going to be great for the sport and also the athletes opportunities um, but like i said alice mccolgan every few posts there's a brand deal which a lot mm-hmm. of people still would probably go oh she's selling herself like why is she doing that she's focused on running fast times and it's like it's just not where we're at at the minute especially with the money mm-hmm. in track and field it's not a lot even though the, the people that are funding the most money in track and field, it's probably those brands who aren't just exclusive to track and field, but are trying yeah. to market to the audience of track and field runners. So talking about this, from the top of my head, you've got Saw, 
you've got Pure Sport, you have, I've, I guess, OTE, there's Coros, uh-huh. um, you're doing a collaboration with Sweat Elite, and you've also got your own socks. So let's try and talk mm-hmm. about, uh, let's just call them the business opportunities, even though they all directly relate to running. How do you <clears> sort of conduct yourself in that regard and finding opportunities and people to work with? And also mm-hmm. what sort of advice could you give to other people maybe trying to take the same steps? Yeah, I think it's it's slightly unique for me and I should preface it with the fact that I also work like essentially a full-time job, if that makes sense. So anything related to running and how I view the, the, inc- the in- income that I make and what I'm also spending, it isn't anything that's going to compromise my like real life costs, if you will. So like my rent, you know, my bills, going on holiday, like those kind of things are paid for separately. So it's not like there's an overwhelming pressure on me needing to like make money and stuff. But I just try and at least break even on things. So if I'm traveling to a race and I'm going to stay in a hotel and that's going to cost me 200 quid, how can I at some point during that calendar year offset that cost by working with somebody, if that makes sense? Um, so honestly, like it's it's self-explanatory model in the sense of you need to find what value you can give in return for a brand paying you. For some brands, that might just be like a, a, a literally a metric. So you've got X followers or you get a reach of 10,000 people. Therefore, we're fine to give you this watch because you're going to show it to 10,000 people in theory. I'd advise they're not probably the brands to work with because they're not actually, you know, looking at how you your content is unique and how you can add value. So the only people that I tend to work with or have that conversation is like, one, what credibility will it add to me? So does the brand name next to mine make people go like, oh, that's pretty good. Like, I wonder how he got to work with them or like they're a pretty big brand name or I've seen X other person work with them because that's really good one for like an audience member to be, to, you know, put some respect on me, but also for other brands to see what I've done and use it as kind of a, a proof case. So later down the road, if I have double the followers and I'm, you know, five seconds quicker over 1500, they know what value I can provide for their brand potentially. So for me, when I'm looking at how can in 12 months, 18 months, get some kind of major sponsorship or some sort of professional deal, I know part of it is going to be, okay, here's my times and my running portfolio. But also if you look back through my history, I did this really good partnership with this brand and I, you know, under promised and over delivered for this other brand. So it's not all about what I can make right now because I'm not making any money at all. I'm literally reinvesting everything into doing my running and covering my costs. It's more about how can I put myself out to the UK scene in the best way possible so then future opportunities I can actually profit from, if that makes sense. Yeah. And people who maybe look and see you working with these brands or maybe see your followers, you're currently at 10.7K. This time last year, just quickly, how many followers did you have roughly? Do you know? I don't. I don't know, but I started in March 2021. So what's that, 18 months? Yeah. Well, nearly yeah just coming up to two years so that's obviously when i had zero so i don't know obviously i had the benefit of going out to america as well so you get kind of get two audiences if you will so i had primarily a lot of people being like oh like this guy's in the ncaa it's pretty cool like let's follow him to see what it's like at college an american audience high school kids but then coming back to the uk you then get an influx of people being like oh who's this guy that does the uk races so i've had the benefit of both which a lot of people don't normally get which has helped kind of the growth a little bit um but i'm not sounds weird because obviously the more you grow the better it is but also it's about like the value of the followers if you will so i'd rather never get another follower but have the engagement that i've got now with people you know wanting to buy some socks because they know it's going to support me being able to like pay for stuff or you know dropping a comment of a good luck on a race than get 
to kind of you know 25k followers and it just be quite redundant and a bit corporate you see what i mean yeah and i think just to speak on my experience on that like sometimes on days tracks to lose his followers and i'm i'm mm-hmm. obviously it's not nice to lose followers but i'm happy because those followers would never have bought anything those followers have never watched a video so mm-hmm. having them leave means that my audience is more engaged, which without getting too techy, that would boost the Instagram algorithm because a high percentage of your audience interacting with you. So it's it's always about marketing yourself to the right people and also not optimizing as much growth as possible, but optimizing the right growth. Because people who look, so many people will be, let's just say, use your example, around sub 14 for 5K and a sub four miler and have absolutely no opportunities to do any brand deals whatsoever. And they could oh, mate, some... they'll, mate, there'll be people that have run sub 13. There'll be people yeah. that have run sub 13 for 5K and have run 352 for the mile who will do less stuff because they don't either have the connections, they're either unlucky and they're from a country that is re- like, has got like a high concentration of good runners or because brands are looking for something more. If you see what I mean, they're looking for someone that can give them some different angle of exposure. I think just the important thing to remember is, and you're in the same boat with this, you've got an account with however many tens of thousands of followers, is I'm sure you could have an opportunity tomorrow for someone to say, Alfie, we want to pay you um, £2,000 and we're going to pay all your expenses to go and do this marathon next year. If you want to go and do it, all we're going to ask is that you film it and you post it on Instagram. You could take that, but your priority, I'm sure, is not the growth of the account and trying to make a little bit of money in the short term. It's how can you become the best athlete because ultimately that's why you do it, right? So would a marathon fit in with your plans at your age with what you're trying to achieve? Absolutely not. So you'd say, no, sorry, I'm training for blah, blah, blah. And instead you might race, you might pay to race a BMC track race in your local city, if you see what I mean. And I think that's the fine line between if you're a runner that's doing things on social media and if ultimately you're a social media influencer in the running space, because if you're the latter and it's your living, you have to take those opportunities and kind of, inhibit your ability slightly and your racing schedule in order to profit, do things, get more opportunities, climb the ladder. If you're like me and your focus is on running, I'll always prioritize that than another opportunity given, if that makes sense, which I think is a real fine line between, you know, people like ourselves when we're trying to get far and people that are like, actually my goal is just to like make this a living. Yeah. I think, I think regardless of the content you, you want to make or the opportunities you want to follow, if that does compromise running performance, then you're not going to do it. Um, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people could also follow that um, where it's like I could do this race even if they're not making money or even getting an opportunity from it if they're going to do a race like three hours away which is just a race and like you've got, you've got to ask yourself why are you doing that race and what are you going to achieve mm-hmm. from doing that race and again if, if you've got a brand involved it's like what are the values of having that brand involved versus not and it's also sometimes as long as it's not compromising performance you might have to go out your way to do something but you don't look you shouldn't look at the opportunity from that one sole thing you're doing because there's been times i'm sure that you're the same where you've done something with a brand and then they're like we really enjoyed that do you want to do this in a month's time and it's like building relationships with the right people like i know you've probably got a series on sweat elite so let's let's talk about that for a bit like that's a wider audience so how, how does it feel i guess how did it come about that you have i guess a documentary on sweat elite when mm-hmm. you weren't even running properly two years ago and there's people who yeah, been but... for 15 years who haven't ever had a coverage. So how does that feel? And Yeah, so I've got a message from December last year where Charlie McCarthy, who is the guy that does a lot of the filming for Sweat Elite in the UK, um, posted that he'd got the job or was working for Sweat Elite or something. He was like doing some freelance work. 
And I replied to him saying, like, oh, that's class, like, well done, mate. And he said, oh, at some point we should try and, like, get you on because we'd have some dialogue before that. So it's funny how, like, a year later I've progressed. One, I've progressed to the stage to be able to do it. But two, like you said, I've made enough connections to be able to have it. So how that came about is Saw Running, who, great brand that support me currently, um, you've tried Saw Kit. Like, in my opinion, it's some of the best kit there is. Pretty expensive, but really Easily. premium. And they're not going crazy with, they don't go crazy with advertising. They never really do sales. You won't see many like sponsored posts and stuff. They prefer to invest larger amounts of money in more valuable kind of content rich bits of advertising. So they were one of the first um, advertisers with and sponsors for Sweat Elite videos. And as part of it, they wanted to actually feature some of their athletes. So Sweat Elite saw and myself kind of got together and thought, wouldn't it be good to kind of have a little mini series where we see not only some of the sore bits of kit being worn, because that's what I train and race in, uh, but also coming at, coming at it from more of a sub-elite angle. So everyone knows that Mo Kattir is an amazing athlete or whoever they're going to put on Sweat Elite and see like an amazing session. But it's it's interesting, but it's unattainable because we're never going to be in an Olympic final, most people that are viewers. Whereas is it more achievable that you could, you know, go out with your local club on a Tuesday night, hammer a few fartlek sessions and get yourself into some good fitness to go and get a 5K PB or do whatever. That's probably, you know, pretty realistic for most people, at least to try and do that. Hence why the category that I fall into works quite well for that kind of content. So yeah, yeah. the series was actually supposed to be in the bill at the Telford 10K, which I think you did a few years ago, maybe won, won it a few years ago? Yeah, I won last year. Yeah. yeah, I won last year, which is what it was going to be for. Um, but in the midst of like the planning, I had the Euro cross trials and made the team to go to Italy. So that's why we just decided let's pivot it and actually have it as like a really cool story of like we filmed the first episode, me being like, oh, I'm going to go to these trials. And then the last episode, me being there racing for GB. So it actually worked better than we could have planned pretty much. And just to close it off, because we've got maybe a minute, two minutes left. You have got uh -huh. a GB vest now. And that, if correct me if I'm wrong, that was your second, I guess, trial event for championships because we'll class the british 1500 meter championships yeah as a trial event so you made a team yeah. in your second attempt attempt essentially even though the first mm -hmm. wasn't an attempt to make a team in the outdoors but so what's next for you in such a short space of time you've got this far mm -hmm. how do you sort of cons cons consolidate yourself at that level and also look to improve and uh, i guess grow from the opportunities you've had yeah it's it's, it's interesting because um Kind of, I've done a lot in a short space of time and it's followed quite, like I've almost had a plan up to this point, if you see what I mean. Like I'm still really in the phase now of trying to become a bit known on the UK circuit. And that's going to be the same until, well, to be honest, for the whole of 2023, but at least up until the summer, because I've not had this bit as a runner in the UK, if that makes sense. So I've still never run like the English National Cross. I've still never done it into Counties Cross, like those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, those kind of things that are coming up. So, yeah, January, for, I'm racing for England in January, um, which will be like a first experience, so that'll be good. And then February, March, I'm just going to get my head down, do some cross country, try and back up some performances I've had in the winter to, you know, give myself confidence, but also like to prove that I can do it. And then the summer is like the big crunch time, isn't it, really? It's like if you class yourself as a 1500 runner or a track, you know, runner, you need to be able to run well on the track. So I could have a massive breakthrough and run you know 337 and be like oh great you know this is unlocked loads of opportunities or similarly i could scrape a half second pb and be like all right that's actually going to take a lot of work to you know move on so yeah it's playing every week by week at this point and for everyone listening your next race the J january the 8th is that right 
January, yeah, January the 8th, yeah, that's right. 3,000 metres at BMC, Sheffield? No, no, no. no. I, so I, was, I was entered for that, and the day that BMC posted it, and I was like, saw the names that were down. I know Phil's doing it. I was like, oh, great. I'm, like, I've not broken 83K, so I was like, this could be a great race. Um, but someone dropped out of the England team for El Goiba in Spain for the cross. Okay. So I was yeah. like, I'm, you know, I've got to take the opportunities I'm giving because that's what's worked. It's what's worked getting to this point. So, yeah, I thought I'll make the switch and do that. So I've got a few weeks to get back into 10K shape. What a shame. We missed the uh, Traxxas versus the Distance Project race because I'm racing the 8K, Mate, uh, the 3K. I've survived. So. I've, su- I've survived this time. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and track you down for the next race and uh, we'll see if we can get some content together beforehand and then make it a bit of an exciting rivalry. Has to be a distance we're yeah. both sort of in the middle of, though, I think, because I'm not racing yeah. in a 15. So, yeah. Sounds good, mate. Thank you for coming on. Uh, and everyone, thanks Pleasure. for listening. Uh, the link's in the description for all your channels. Um, is there anything mm-hmm. you'd like to say to close off? And then we'll just end it there, if not. No, not at all, mate. Thanks a lot for having me on. Much appreciated. And, uh, yeah, keep it up.